Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you if you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years. There is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. Hey guys, want to give you a heads up on what's going on with the show. We are excited to share with you that we are launching a new website. It's ar-15podcast.com. That's ar-15podcast.com. Uh, we will have all the latest news uh, for the show up there and also latest news about our next giveaway. Um, we'll get to that in just a second. Also, you can support the show there. We've set up a new Patreon where you can support monthly. Uh, you can also support through a PayPal gift, which is just a, a one-time support for the show. So if you appreciate the hard work and the effort and the uh, things that we do to bring you this show every week, uh, we would appreciate your support. Um, all the support goes back into the show. Nothing comes to the hosts or to Anthony. We will reinvest everything back into the show. Check that out, the Patreon link and the PayPal link are there on the page under donate now to the giveaway we have teamed up with new frontier armory uh, my gun shop here in vegas you can visit them at newfrontierarmory.com we are giving away to one lucky ar-15 podcast listener a c45 side charging pistol it's got the new frontier armory logo on one side and the new ar-15 podcast logo on the other check it out at our website ar-15podcast.com that is the only place you'll be able to sign up for it and uh, one of you guys is going to take it home uh, we appreciate you guys listening to the show check out the new website uh, if you can support that would be great we have big plans for the show and things we'd like to do and a hundred percent of what you support the show with uh, will be dumped right back into the podcast once again we appreciate you guys thank you for listening and check out ar-15podcast.com all right everybody welcome to another episode of the ar-15 podcast on tonight's episode, we have Dave Hartman from the Three Gun Show and uh, our usual co-host, J.D., and we have uh, also joining us, Cap. Mike, how are you doing Hi. today? Hi there. Uh, anytime I can be on the uh, Air 15 podcast, it's a great day. <laughs> All right, Dave. Since uh, uh, you're the new guy here, but uh, yeah. obviously you're well-known uh, amongst uh, uh many of the, the, the guys here on the show. Why don't you give our listeners a background on you? All right. Well, uh, I am Dave Hartman. I'm, I'm the, uh, the host and, uh, I guess, creator of the Three Gun Show podcast. And it's a weekly podcast. It's been going uh, for about 180-some episodes now, so since uh, 2015. And uh, last year in uh, May, in May of 2016, I decided to go full-time. So I quit my corporate job, and I... Uh, I bought a travel trailer and I loaded my dog up in the truck and we uh, we spent the entire last two years cruising around the country and shooting three gun matches. And uh, now I'm back in Colorado, which is my home state, and uh, set up in this uh, in this office here. And uh, we're we're going to talk some three gun and some uh, some three gun rifles, which are a little bit different than uh, the normal AR-15s. All right. Well, so why don't we just break it down and uh, have you tell us what three gun is all about? All right, well, so three-gun is about the most fun you can have uh, in action shooting, and it, everything still be uh, still be legal and above the board and, and not spend any time in the clink. But uh, three-gun is a, uh, an action shooting sport. consists of a rifle, a pistol, and a shotgun. That rifle is generally an AR-15. That shotgun is generally a semi-automatic 12-gauge, and that pistol is generally a double-stack 9-millimeter. And uh, we shoot 
paper targets, steel targets, and clay targets, and we do it for time. So is three-gun as a sport matured to the point where there is like a unified governing body, a sanctioned body that puts on matches? Yes and no. So it, it's uh, it's got to be like, what, the 1960s, right, for football, where they had the AFC, NFC, or AFL, or NFL, whatever the hell it was. Probably should have gone with a metaphor that I knew a lot about. But um, there's, <laughs> there's actually uh, several sanctioning bodies. We have you know, Three Gun Nation, UML, USPSA, and, uh, and as well as homegrown outlaw matches. And I, I believe they're called outlaw just because they, they don't have like a specific sanctioning body. So the, uh, the answer is there's several sanctioning bodies. So if you were to, it's kind of regional. If you were to look at that, uh, compared to some of the pistol sports and, um, shotgun sports, um, is that unusual? <clears throat> um, I mean, isn't there like usually a, a, an overarching, body that seems to pull all the adherents together, kind of get them yeah, all. Yeah, so we, we, were, we were talking about it um, before we uh, started recording here. NHRA, right? They're the the National Hot Rod Association is the drag racing sanctioning body, right? Right. And But that started like, you know, 67, 70 years ago, something like that. So it's been um, a long time process, right? So 3Gun has been around since the 80s. Right. And a lot of it's homegrown. So basically it becomes like, uh, you know, who wants to be responsible for this? And then all over the country, it's kind of regional. And as you know, the firearms industry is always at least 10 years behind the curve as far as like technology goes. So like they used to have to mail each other letters and shit. So like it was, uh, it wasn't really great for getting people on the, uh, on the same page. But, uh, but in, in recent times, in the last few years, like Three Gun Nation came around, they tried to um, get everything under the same halo. There was a lot of pushback of that from like the outlaw matches. Now it looks like Three Gun Nation might not be around for 2018, or maybe they will. Who knows? We're kind of waiting and seeing. Uh, in the last couple of years here, UML came up, but you know the uh, the multiple sanctioning bodies. I, I kind of look at them as like different flavors of matches. So if you like, you know, if you like. Uh, Rocky Road, you can go somewhere and shoot a Rocky Road match, or there's a mint chocolate chip match, you know, there's a vanilla match, that sort of thing. Um, but when you look at, like, the pistol sports, you still have HIPSIC, you have USPSA, you have IDPA, and those are very, very different matches. Like, you can be, um, you know, a proficient pistol shooter in IDPA and go suck ass at USPSA, and same thing with USPSA, you can go to, like, an HIPSIC match and just get torn up. But isn't there enough difference in those... Um uh, in, in, in those bodies in terms of what the actual purpose of the sport is for there to be enough to distinguish them from each other? Or, or is that not the case? Well, I guess an IDPA, yeah. But if you look at like IPSC, IPSC versus USPSA, right? Yeah. So IPSC came out of USPSA or vice versa back in, um, you know, it started here in, in the U.S. and now it's an international sport, right? Mm-hmm. But they, they ver- diverged in paths. So they're like completely different sports now. Well, and I guess, you know, my my curiosity is, is 3-Gun going to go that route where you could say that you have multiple sports that essentially use 3-Guns, but each one is distinguishable enough from the other where you're not basically, you know, cannibalizing um, your shooters or your your viewership or, your, you know, you know what I'm saying? 
Um, or is it going to be like um, Canadian football versus American football? And one of them is just yeah. this, you know, we wish you'd die and go away um, kind of thing. Well, that's a very good point. That's very good. Very, very good. So the uh, the basic thing of it, while there, why there are so many different rule sets, so many different um, uh, sanctioning bodies and matches run different, is they're put on by individuals, and this is a passion sport, right? Mm-hmm. You can't can't go and put on a three gun match and put fifty thousand butts in seats like you can for you know a football game or a basketball game or whatever. You know, there's not that sort of spectator aspect of it. So the people that are doing this are doing it from a, because they're passionate about shooting, they're passionate passionate about practical shooting. So I think there are some matches that kind of follow the model of what you're talking about as far as um, USPSA versus IDPA type thing, like IDPA's defensive with air quotes, and then uh, USPSA is like a race, right? So there are definitely different matches that way where if you try to be a quote-unquote gamer when you go to some matches, you know, you kind of get knocked back for that or penalized or whatever. But there's other matches that you go to, and they're like, look, this is a sport. We're playing a sport. We're not training for doomsday or the uh, the Russian invasion like we thought was going to happen with uh, Red Dawn, but uh, but we're here to have fun, right? So, and that's the way I like to look at it. Like I, I feel like like me personally, I'd be you know better shooting one of these uh, one of these rifles back here than a lot of people. But you know, I'm not training to shoot people. I'm training to shoot targets, and that's what I like. So, if you were gonna talk today who are the big dogs in three gun in terms of governing bodies i mean have we got it whittled down or is it still the wild west out there well so there there's the wild west um i would say probably ah, gosh it doesn't even matter the ratio but there's a there's a lot of wild west when it comes to matches like uh some of the big matches the older matches like blue ridge mountain three gun rocky mountain three gun um, those are considered um, superstition, for example. Those are considered outlaw matches because they run on their own rule set, right? And, um, you know, a lot of that stuff comes from, like, you know, this range over here, you can't, it's not okay to do that. This range over here, it's okay to do that. But then there's, like, USPSA runs USPSA-sanctioned matches. Three Gun Nation runs Three Gun Nation matches. UML, um, United Multigun League, um, is something that's kind of taken off this year, and it looks like it's going to be even bigger next year. Um, so they're, they're kind of coming to the forefront too, but they all have different flavors about them. So they're all different matches when you go to them. So yeah, there, there are sanctioning bodies that are, are coming around and, uh, and proven to be but know, the, the top dog. There's like three of them. But it's still the wild west then. I mean, there, there's, well, and, and I guess what I'm coming at I is this. I understand where you're getting at with that question. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, it's like the NFL, right? If you're going right. to play football in the U.S., it's the NFL. Yeah, you know. I mean, there, there's like a specific rule set, right? And if you're going to train someone to play football, they're going to come up through a system that's ultimately geared towards them going that direction. Right. You know, it, it's not like someone says, oh, well, you know, you're in a you know, second-tier school, and we only teach people to play Canadian football. So, yeah. <laughs> But there are college football rules that are different than NFL, right? Well, that's true. And, and I would think yeah. so, but, I mean, at the end of the day – what I'm curious about is how do I get into three gun if I'm sitting here in a major metropolitan area um, and I want to find someone who's putting on matches. Dude, that's a great question. That's a great place to start. So 
That one is actually a lot easier to answer. And what is your major metropolitan area, if you don't well, mind me asking? It's Dallas, Fort Worth, Metroplex. Oh, you're kidding. Nope. Jesus, I can introduce you to like 13 people that'll take you to a match tomorrow. So, <laughs> um, so that so that's a that's a cool uh, cool thing. Good for you to be in Texas because there's a ton of uh, great three gun mat- three gun matches in Texas. Um, if you're looking at shooting something in your local area, you kind of figure out like where's the range? Does this range have a three gun match? If so, what what rules do they uh, play under? And then you kind of adapt to those rules. Mm-hmm. Now, once mm-hmm. you start shooting. Um, like bigger matches where you're traveling to like say Colorado and you're coming to shoot in our state championship or you're going to uh, Las Vegas and you're shooting USPSA multi-gun nationals. That's where things get to be like a little tricky and you have to read each of those rules. So for you um, right outside of uh, Fort Worth is a uh, Crescent, right? And there's a, um, a range there called triple C range. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy Moore from shooter source runs a match there called Texas, um, North Texas multi-gun. Okay, and they run outlaw rules, but they have their rules posted on their website, so you can sign up, shoot one of their matches, make sure you abide by their rules, go out there and shoot with you know some of the the great shooters, and uh, you're going to be shooting at your local matches out to 500 yards. We're here in Colorado, we shoot mostly bay matches, and we're shooting out to like 200 yards max in a match. So, if if I was going to get into three gun and I begin going to my local range that puts on the three gun matches. And mm-hmm. let's say for, you know, uh, giggles and grins that I'm good enough to actually be competitive on a, a national stage. Uh, mm-hmm. Do I am, – am I am I hamstrung because I've started with somebody that might not be part of 3Gun or UML or, you know, or is it kind of an open family? You know, come one, come all. It doesn't matter if you started here, if you started there. Um, we just want people to come out and shoot in our matches and have a good time. I mean, uh, yeah. Where, where, where is the, the, the sport as it stands today? Okay, so those are like two entirely different questions. But the uh, the, fir- the first one, yeah, you can go shoot any match you want. You know, if you pay your match fee and you go and shoot, you just have to know the rules, so you don't do anything that is uh, outside of the rule set. And it's usually small stuff. Like for example, there's you know, USPSA, you can leave the shooting area and come back in, right? Three gun nation, you can't leave the shooting area and come back in. You have to stay within the shooting area, right? So it's real small stuff like that. Oh, now you tell me. (laughs) 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 Yeah, uh, ask me how I know that one, Mike. (laughs) But the uh, uh, those are small things, right? But the uh, the equipment is generally the same if you stay in one of the uh, the three major categories or major um, like equipment categories. The uh, you know dumping your your shotgun in a barrel, picking your shotgun or your shotgun up out of, out of a barrel. That's going to be very similar everywhere you go. So it's not like uh, you know one one place is playing football with a uh, with like an oblong shaped ball and everyone else is playing with a spear. You know it's it's not that different. Okay. So would you say that it's it's basically be related to let's let's change it to baseball instead of football. One one set well, one set of rules, you know, is playing with nine guys the pitcher bats. The other league plays with a designated hitter that bats for the pitcher. It's pretty close. There's just a little difference. Is yeah. what I'm is what I'm getting yeah. from it. Yeah, the dif- the differences are are very small. The uh you know the the biggest difference that I've run into like if you can see where my fingers pointing here, this is my shotgun. There are many like it, but this one is mine. And it has a 12-round capacity magazine tube, right? 
So that fits into tactical optics, which is what I shoot, which is like a scope rifle division, right? Um, there is a match, uh, Blue Ridge Mountain 3 gun, where they don't let you have 12-round capacity. It's eight rounds only. So I have to put a plug in this thing. That's the type of different rule set we're, okay. we're talking about. It's not, it sounds pretty – it's just the, the nuances of those things. If you – you know, I'm a radio. You go to different stations. They do different things. you got to follow different rules for nonprofits and commercial stations. Right. But from what I've gathered, just looking at, like, the three-gun community as a whole, from, from visiting your guys' page, from looking at other places, if you show up to a match and you're new – uh, there's pretty much, I'm seeing the kind of the camaraderie that's there with shooters that people are going to guide you and show you, Hey, this is how it's done. There, you know, there's no, really no dumb questions when it comes yeah. to that. Am I right? Yeah. And it, as long as you're like primary, primary, number one, as long as you're safe, then you you will get through it and people will help you through it. You know, safety is number one, resetting is number two, and then shooting is number three. Right. Um, and then winning is so far down the list that you shouldn't even worry about that when you go to your first match. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's exactly it. Like, we've had uh, people show up to uh, matches and they bring, like, a, a rifle and a pump shotgun, but they don't have a pistol. Well, we're going to help you get through that because that's the type of people that uh, that shoot three-gun. I mean, just watch. If you have if you show up to a match, like, with a pump shotgun, and you're going to have 13 people offering you their semi-automatic shotgun to help you out. Like, hey, well, you know, you'd be more comfortable shooting this. This is going to help you out. And uh, people will have actually fight over loaning you gear so yeah that's that's the type of people that uh that shoot three gun so, so i could show up with a high point oh don't don't even let him start with that crap <laughs> i mean unless you show up with like a uh you know an ar chambered in 357 sig i think you're going to be pretty well accepted reed yeah pretty yeah. much yeah. yeah well there's e- there's even a category for iron sights yeah well you mm-hmm. see there you go you know, I guess the the question I have is is so if you're branching out from your local, um, other than some competition that might be invitation only, I mean, as long as you pay your fee and show up, you can go anywhere. Or yeah. I mean, is and there a qualification requirement for any of these organizations? No, I mean, safety is, is the number one qualification, right? So if you if you demonstrate good gun um, good safe gun handling skills, you don't break the uh, you know, the 180 degree barrier on the range, you don't um, have a negligent discharge, then yeah, you're welcome everywhere. Um, the uh, the only barrier to any of these matches is time and effort, right? So did you practice enough to be able to hit that 500 yard target? Did you um, pay your match fee? Can you get the time off from work? Those are the type of uh, considerations. And and did you sign up early enough to, uh, to where you actually got in the match? Because some of these things sell out in, in uh, mere minutes. Do you see it growing as a sport? Do you, have you seen it grow throughout the years, or are you at a spot where you think it's plateaued, or is it just continuing to go up? So I, I've shot since uh, like 2011. I've shot three gun. Uh, it was the very first sport uh, shooting sport that I tried, and it's what I stuck with. I really liked it. Um, I've seen it grow from there for sure. The uh, um, when three gun nation was on television and they were doing their their pro series where they you know went and uh, I had actual matches and everything that I think was like one of the biggest growth phases of three gun because people saw that on television. They saw, you know, what you can do with guns. Like I want to do that, you know, and now with uh, social media, you see people um, sharing match videos and everything. And that's what got me excited about three gun was seeing match videos and thinking like, 
well, I can't do that uh, at my local range. Like there's, there's not a situation where I'm going to go and put on like um, body armor, shoot, shoot in a, uh, you know, in a car, in a shoot house, jump into the back of a truck, shoot from that thing, climb up and down uh, berms, use, you know, ladders and, and slack lines. Like that's the type of stuff you can't do at your local range. Or if you did, it would take, it would take you like 12 hours to set that up. And then you'd shoot for 10 minutes and you'd be done and you'd have to go tear it down. Right. So that, that is the the appeal for me is to go play in someone else's jungle gym and uh, stuff (laughs) that they set up. And then, and then here, here's the turkey part. If you pay for the match, you don't have to actually tear it down either. So you get all the party and you don't have to stay to clean up. <laughs> Man. So that's what it is for me. And as far as growth, um, I do see, I do see like massive interest and growth in uh, pistol caliber carbine divisions in, uh, in three gun. And, you know, as Mike knows, it's become kind mm-hmm. of a contentious sort of thing. Um, and that will probably turn into its own sport. For, uh, for better purposes, right? But in like United Multigun League, they they have divisions where it's called a two by four. You know, you have four guns. You have your PCC, you have your rifle, you have your pistol, you have your shotgun, and then uh, you get to choose two of them for each of the stage. And so it's, it's kind of like golf in, in that manner, although uh, trickier to travel with with a fifty pound weight limit. But um, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, I, I hope it keeps uh, it keeps growing. I do see a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of potential, especially in the ammunition-rich environment that we are currently in. Um, where when I started, it was just a few months before Sandy Hook, and all of a sudden you couldn't get ammunition. I remember, you know, the uh, what was it the 2013 um, Novesky Multigun Championship? Free Ammunitions actually had uh, a trailer that they towed down from uh, Idaho with them with ammunition in it because there were you know, more than half the match was going to drop out because they didn't have ammunition to shoot the match. So you mentioned something, and I think it's probably worthwhile touching on it. Um, so you, you mentioned the different classes. Let's Can yeah. you kind of paint a thumbnail sketch of, of um, the different classes you might see in terms of your setup? Sure. Um, basically, what you're going to find is like a limited division, a tactical optics division, uh, an open division, and like a heavy division. And those can run by different names, and it depends on the match, what they call them and what they do, right? So this is like what a limited division gun would be, right? There's not really a whole lot of restrictions. There's a 1X scope on it. This is a Vortex Spitfire AR that has like the uh, the ball drop turret, but it is an edge reticle, and it's 1X, right? So that's kind of like your, your red dot division. Um, tactical optics is, is next from there. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike, do you have something to say? Yeah, that's also the, for just for Reed, since he wants to get involved, that's also the division you shoot iron sights in. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and actually when I started uh, shooting three-gun, I um, I started with iron sights as well. And I probably shot like four club matches with that and then uh, switched to a red dot. So uh, tact- tactical optics, you know, variable, variable power scope. This is a Vortex uh, Viper PST 1 to 6. So... You know, the, uh, the close targets, obviously, you're looking at 1X, and then the uh, far targets, you're looking at, at 6X. So the uh, then open, you know, you can have the same rifle, same uh, same sort of thing, but then generally you'll see, like, an offset red dot sight, like, right here, right? Uh, I don't actually shoot open, so I don't have a, a, an open rifle with me, but... Uh, and then heavy, 308, right? So that is basically the differences. Now, I can shoot uh, limited or tac ops with the same shotgun, 
um, 12 round capacity. If I'm shooting three gun nation, it's limited to an eight round capacity. Um, pistol, generally the same. You're looking at USPSA limited rules. So double stack nine millimeter. You can have cocking serrations and relief cuts and stippling jobs on your, your plastic pistols and things like that. And then, uh, again, if you're shooting, uh, three gun nation, those are limited to 15 round magazines. And, uh, oh, and then the, uh, the rifles are limited to 30 round magazines. But in uh, most other matches, there's not really restrictions on rifle or pistol capacity. So how much of your consideration in your tools is, I guess, maximizing the tool for the rules? I mean, you talk about a 15-round uh, capacity magazine for pistol, right? So yeah. I shoot 357 SIG. Most of mine are 12-round magazines. So does a competitor walk in there and say, well, you know, I'm not going to shoot what I like to shoot. I'm going to shoot what gives me the advantage. So I have fewer well, mag changes if I'm shooting 15 than if I'm shooting 12, right? Well, first of all, th- this is a big day for me because I actually met someone who owns a 357 SIG pistol and shoots it. <laughs> so, it's like Santa Claus. They do it. All right, they all right. We, just, we just need to take a moment here. And for nostalgia, just the, the, the one guest that will give Reed crap about the 357 SIG. Everybody who's played into this, we have – he has a, an actual barrel being made for an AR in it. And uh, I just want to take this moment. This is like my Christmas present uh, right now. I'm just going to bask in the glory of this moment for a second. And, uh, you know, oh, for just a moment, I, I offered to, to actually consider, um, getting JD a wage for the effort he puts into it. And, and I'm thinking <laughs> I'm going to just, uh, back off of those thoughts right now and uh, go a different yeah. route. He was going to triple my pay, but you know, when you start, you know, multiplying the zeros, no, by no, no, three, no. It just doesn't I work. told JD that I was going to actually start thinking about paying <clears throat> him in real money. Pesos. <laughs> that's not real money. <laughs> no, 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 that's real oh. money. In Mexico? I'll be able to get them over the wall soon. <laughs> Start right. small. Sorry to interrupt. That, 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 was, that was an epic moment in uh, our podcast history that will go now, down forever. Now, wait a minute. Uh, I, I've already got um, my uh, pistol caliber SBR uh, in 357 SIG. It works just fine, mind you. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with, with where I've already started out. And my array of... 357 SIG chambered pistols, including my daily carry. So, um, I'm happy you're happy. And, uh, hey, Dave, hey, Dave, we're losing the audio quality on your end real quick. Test for me. Test, test. Here we go. Yeah, it sounds like Satan has indwelled your microphone. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, Mr. Roboto there. That sounds okay in my ears. Uh, no. Am I the only one hearing it? No, no, else? I hear it. No, I'm, I'm hearing it too. You might have to unplug Dave. and replug it. Yeah, Dave, can you reconnect for me real quick? Sorry about that. Yeah. Now a word from our sponsor. Now, I'm pretty sure, J.D., you paid him for that, didn't you? For the 357 SIG? No, but I would have. Oh, there it is. Hang on. All right. We, uh, oh, so I picked up my SIG from the, the RX from New Frontier. Yeah. They, they showed me this. Uh, Ivan showed me this uh, 9mm SBR they're working on. It's got, I think, a four-inch barrel, like two-inch little rail on it. It's their side charger, and it's got a Battle Arms PDW stock on it. I literally, like, that big Jeez. collapsed. I was like, yes, I want one, and let's start the process right now. 
is is that the Sig MPX or is that uh, New Frontiers uh, proprietary one? That's, That's proprietary. New Frontiers proprietary one. Oh, cool. Well, I have to I have to see that next month. Hey, Dave, you're gonna try. Like, How about now? Yeah, you're Sounds good. Sounds great. Can you hear me now? How are we doing? All right, good. Yes. Great. All right. So we've got so, Dave back uh, after that. And, you know, Dave, that's what happens. The Internet gremlins get you for trying to <laughs> gang up on the host. <laughs> well, so I came back in. You guys were talking about the MPX. Does SIG make the MPX in 357 SIG? Uh, they've thought about it. Uh, they don't have a... <laughs> oh, they so they so thought about it, SIG. and then they, and then they thought better. No, they didn't think better. They just had... I think they got sideswiped by the... Um, their pistol woes of late. So as soon as that gets sorted out, I think they're going to get a caliber exchange set up. So oh, not even right. Sig is happy with their cartridge. Yes, they are. They still make those pistols. <laughs> the, the good news, though, is when there is a panic, you will be the only guy of the four of us that will be able to buy an ammo. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, this is the greatest <laughs> night of my life. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? what are we talking about again? Uh, well, we were we were talking about three gun and oh yeah, I forget it, but uh, okay, so. yeah, JD had brought up a uh, little miniature itty bitty uh, uh, PPC that New Frontier was uh, making, and uh, we knew that Reed was trying to find one in three fifty seven sig. I got you. I've, I've already got mine in three fifty seven sig. I'm happy. I'm. I'm, just, I'm waiting I'm just for waiting. a heavy. I'm going to wait for a heavy. I need a heavy division. For uh, PCC, so I can get a uh, Chris. Yeah, in <laughs> forty-five. I, I remember uh, Reed's original question. Right, it was the: uh, Do you um, tune your your gear to the division, or do you come out with what you have? That's a which is a great question. I get that one a lot. The answer to that one is: uh, If you're going to your first club batch, bring what you have. Like I, I started with a Gen two Glock seventeen. Um, a pump shotgun, like a Mossberg 500 with an 18-inch barrel, and uh, I think it had like a six-round capacity, uh, and then just the uh, the M4-style rifle that I built, which is actually this one here. So, um, it, and, you know, it had a, you know, mil-spec trigger. It had a AT front sight post, like I said, a iron sight rear, and, you know, no compensator or anything, full mass carrier, uh, carbine-length gas system, and... I had fun shooting that for years, right? You can, there's so much more that needs to be tuned on yourself rather than your gear, right? And I've upgraded along the way as gear has helped me back, right? But, you know, now to, uh, to answer the second part of your question, yeah, all my gear is three gun specific. Like I have a Glock 34. I would never think of, you know, using it as a carry gun. I have extensions on my magazines that, you know, I can have 23 rounds in them. The, uh, the Armalite rifle that I shoot now, oh, this little guy, this, uh, this compensator is entirely useless for anything but competition because it's so freaking noisy that you will not make any friends on the uh, on the firing line. Shooting it inside a car would be terrible. Yeah, um, yeah they, they are awesome. Yeah, yeah, the, the gun's great, and there's, like, no recoil to it, but uh, I, I'm always glad I'm standing behind the, the compensator <laughs> and not to the side. So, and you know, my shotgun over there, yeah, I've, I've shot, uh, you know, trap and, and, uh, uh, sporting clays with it, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a purpose built thing, but that shouldn't stop you from, from getting out and shooting your first match though, because you can have fun with whatever you have in your, your gun cabinet. So let me See, ask you I this. Like, oh, I like to be enabled. So tell me, tell me I need a Benelli M4. Oh. Tell me I need a new M4 is wrong. 
Oh. Don't buy a Benelli M4. It's the wrong gun for the, the game. It's a M, If you're getting a Benelli, it's an M2. You know, Breda makes a B12i. This is a Stoger. Uh, Beretta 1301. Beretta 1301, yeah. See, it. I'll just add them to the list and buy more. I mean, it just, that's <laughs> the way, way it works for me. Yeah. If so you, If you want an M4, buy an M4 and then go, whoops, and now I need an M2, which is uh, totally okay. <laughs> so, Dave... In your experience, since you've you've started out with things you've built, or you've had things you built, and you you've obviously bought purpose three gun purpose built firearms, um, mm-hmm. do you think one approach is better than the other? Um, man, that's that's a great question. So, I I like building stuff like we talked about before. Like I used to race cars and stuff. Um, I, I love putting things together. So for me, it's. Uh, it's a matter of like personal preference, right? So Armalite is the sponsor of the show, this, uh, of the three gun show. This is an Armalite rifle. I, I shot in, uh, 2017 here. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it, but I have no sort of attachment to it whatsoever because it came like this. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but you know, all these guns behind me here, um, I know every little, little piece that goes into it. Cause I placed every roll pin and stuff like that. So for, uh, for 2018, um, talking to, uh, to Armalite, they're going to just send me a bag of parts <laughs> and, uh, and I'm going to put it together myself because, uh, because that's something that I like to do, you know? Um, so I would say it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You know, there's, there's guys that I, that I shoot with that, uh, you know, they'll have like a malfunction and like, Oh, when was the last time you replaced your, uh, uh, extractor spring? And they're like, um, where's that? <laughs> You're like, well, it's on your bolt carrier group. Like, which one's the bolt carrier group? It's like, Jesus, dude, how do you clean this thing? Clean it. No. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, there, there's something for everyone out there, really. Like, I, I love building uh, building rifles. Like I said, I built all these ones behind me. So, uh, you know, it's it's all personal preference. You know, here's, the, I guess, the thought there. I mean, you know, our show, we, we talk to people about building their rifles. We encourage mm-hmm. people to develop the 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 skill set, the the frame of mind that allows them to go in and create, put together, envision what they want. Um, but, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, there's always this thought, hmm, you know, is the factory-built rifle any better than what I can do? You know, yeah. and, and, you know, just like you, I, I, you know, every rifle I've built, I know what's in it. I know every single thing that's happened to it from, you know, inception to, you know, field testing it. But, right. you know... I'm always curious, is there some magic in that factory-built rifle? I mean, and, you know, really, you start looking at the price points of some manufacturers' rifles, and you got to think, well, you know, it doesn't come with a French-made, so it better be doing something special for me. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> Wrong podcast for you. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm always curious. Do you, do you ever think, um, when you're shooting your own rifles, that um, is, is there a moment where you have a crisis of faith in your rifle a crisis of faith in my rifle um man that's a that's a good question so the the short answer is no um and this this is the only ar-15 i have that i didn't build and i have um well a lot of my loss in a boating accident right that old story but uh <laughs> probably got a dozen ar-15s right and this is the only one that i haven't built um like I said, it, it works fine every time. I don't have any sort of attachment to it or anything. Right. Um, but um, man, that, that's a great question, dude. If, if it's your, if building rifles is your thing and you want to know every piece, 
you absolutely should do it. The cool thing is with uh, every piece on this uh, rifle right here, like you can buy it from Armalite, like the, uh, like, and Mike knows, like the, uh, the handguard, you can buy the uh, compensator, you can buy, you can even buy the barrels and everything and, uh, yeah. and have them done there. But I have never had this particular rifle on a stage and thought there's something <laughs> wrong with the rifle. <laughs> every, every time I'm like, there's something wrong. It's always with me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, I have a lot of, uh, a lot of confidence in it for sure. Yeah. Is that the 13 inch? Yeah, that is the uh, the thirteen and a half with the uh, pin and welded comp, and uh, makes for an overall sixteen inch rifle. So this uh, this is like the the shortest rifle I've ever shot, and it's it's uh, it's a ton of fun too. Yeah, Not that's never the, shot, but never shot in competition. Yeah, that's the one that I got in twenty fourteen when Armalite first uh, released them, and the first time I shot that was at the World Shooting Championship, and Armalite mm-hmm. was one of the stage sponsors, and they had this quick little just shoot five targets and I didn't check the trigger and I'm used to two stage four and a half pound trigger <laughs> and I went like full auto on the first target I shot three rounds I was like, <laughs> those, those are amazing rifles and I'll shoot mine out to 600 yards that yeah. 13 inch barrel is amazing yeah this uh this particular rifle right here I've shot to uh 600 yards I was uh um I was skeptical of the shorter rifles, and that's actually why I'm shooting it this year is to uh, become unskeptical. And uh, and I think I've done that because you know I've hit you know targets in a in a decent wind at you know 500 and, and some amount of uh, yards, and you know never once has it you know let me down. Plus, it's like fast as heck when you're doing you know manipulating around walls and everything. The uh, the only issue that I've had with it is uh, when you have like a longer magazine and you're shooting from like a, a, a fake slanted rooftop, then uh, you run into issues with getting the, uh, the handguard on enough of on that roof peak to, uh, to get a good stable position. Right. But, uh, but there's ways around that as well. Shorter magazines and such. So when you're, you talked about the number of, of ARs you have, I'm assuming that for the most part, you put them together for your competition needs. Um, is your bag yeah. of firearms like a, a golf bag? Depending on what you're going to do, you're going to pull out this rifle for this competition or um, are they basically the residuals as you've evolved your your skill set, your skill level, your shooting styles? Um, can, can you describe that? Do, do you have well, multiples so, or do you? So I, I shoot one rifle all season long. Okay. Um, and the reason the reason I do that is because. You're not trying to get used to anything or break any habits on the clock or anything. It it becomes part of you, and you can actually feel, you know, feel your holds. Like, I mean, I, I know when you, when you get in, like Mike can probably uh, attest to when you get into like long range shooting and ballistics and everything. There's a whole lot of math involved. Um, I I have a decent memory, and but I'm terrible at math, so it becomes uh, a feel thing for for me. And that's why I shoot one rifle, so I don't have to go back and forth and reset that uh, that trigger in my brain. Um, that said, like I, I built a rifle in like 2011. It's this one right here, um, and I kind of did some upgrades to it, just kind of like half parsing uh, some uh, some three gun upgrades, like a you know Michelin comp and like a Geissele three gun trigger, and then uh, eventually got a, a handguard for it, uh, free float, and then. From there, it's like, well, how much do I want to spend, like, upgrading that, or am I just going to build, like, a complete rifle from the ground up? And, again, like we were talking about, select every sort of component and have it be exactly what I want, and that's what this one was. So this is my 
second three gun rifle. And, uh, I put every little component together on this one myself. So, um, in, in that aspect, like I shot this for, for all of last year, mm -hmm. the, uh, the entire season and I haven't touched it again this year. So, so do you have to spend a, a pretty fair amount of time before the season <clears throat> starts to develop an understanding of, of how your rifle is going to handle for you to feel confident going into the season or do you just throw caution to the wind and and you, <laughs> you just begin and when you get there you get there i'm probably a bad example because i do a lot more things by the seat of my pants uh than i actually should <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if you heard me but i uh i uh quit my corporate job to uh to do a podcast full time so that shows you what kind of good decisions i make but yeah <laughs> So there definitely is like a, uh, a warm up to the season, and I've I've gone into a shooting season cold where like I haven't picked up my guns to go to a first match, and you know I'm like a turtle on its back trying to figure out how to um, you know manage a stage. Um, but you know if you have the ability to go out to the range, practice, get your dope, know know your um, your uh, what's it called uh, ammunition velocity, um, yeah. you know, and pump, punch that into like a, uh, a street lock and stuff. It'll get you part of the way there. You verify on paper and then you, and then you go for it. Um, but again, it depends on what your, your three gun seems like. Right. So in Colorado, we don't need to do a whole lot. Cause when you have a 50 yard zero, it's the same thing as a 200 yard zero within, you know, the wiggliness of your, your barrel and your, your optic and everything. So you don't really have to worry about that. Last year I lived in uh, Texas. I went to my first local match at uh, the uh, Cawthorn Cartridge Club. Uh, Dissident Arms puts on a, a three-gun nation match every uh, every month. And uh, they're like, oh, hey, we're uh, we're gonna, not going to shoot very far this this month. You know, I know you came out of here um, all the way from Austin, but uh, sorry about that. We're not going to be shooting very far. So about 430 is going to be our longest target. But 430, holy crap. Like, this is a just a club match, you know? <laughs> and so that... That is like uh, you know run of the mill for them. So it really depends on where you're, um, where you're at, and what you guys have available for your club. You know, a, a question that um, is totally off topic, but as you're traveling around the country, uh, challenges you faced, you know, carrying your gear around the country. I mean, that'd be uh, an interesting, unique problem to uh, yeah. kind of handle, right? So so things are heavy. The, the, the things that I like to play with are very heavy, right? Lots yes. of ammunition. You need lots of ammunition. This rifle is, is uh, you know, 10 pounds or so. Uh, and when you have three of them, you know, that's 30 pounds. And then you start getting up to that uh, that cargo capacity of the uh, trailer and how much your truck can haul and stuff like that. And so what a lot of people do is they'll buy, you know, all their ammunition at the beginning of the year. So it's all from the same lot, right? And they, they, they know what it's going to be. So me, it's like, okay, well, we're – Where's a Cabela's that's close to the next match? <laughs> so I, can pick up, I can pick up my blaster ammo, right? So I know that for, for long range, I always shoot the same, but for, um, for uh, you know, local, or excuse me, close targets and everything, you're shooting just 55 grain ball ammunition. So as long as I have, like, my long range ammo and uh, enough of that in a box, then I can pretty much pick up blaster ammo anywhere. So that's that's one consideration. The, uh, the other is, you know, for, for some reason, like, um, you know, I, I drive the speed limit, I obey laws, but anytime I pass a police officer, I get a little bit of a, of a pucker, right? And I, <laughs> I know that I'm doing everything legit, and I, I am not breaking any laws, but it uh, always freaks me out. 
when uh, when you're like, huh, am I going to have that conversation? Uh, can you fire up in the car? Like, in the car, we got a couple. <clears throat> the trailer, we got a whole lot more, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. But uh, as far as, like, uh, uh, logistics of packing it and everything, like, I played a lot of Tetris when I was young, so I, I'm pretty good <laughs> at that. And... Uh, <laughs> And I've got some uh, um, lockable truck boxes, like a truck vault type thing in my pickup. And uh, and that's where I store all my guns and ammo and everything. So you what tell you a see? trailer. Is that a, a trailer you sleep in? Yeah, it's a travel trailer. So there's a, a bed, a kitchen, bathroom, shower, stuff like that. Do you um, do you have uh, your basic gunsmithing tools? Do you have uh, reloading equipment? Is it basically just a portable armory? Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, I actually, uh, I tried to get away from that. So if you walk into uh, my trailer at any, any moment in time, you probably wouldn't know that, uh, you wouldn't know what I do, uh, unless I was actually at a match and then I just kind of leave that stuff all, all lying about. Right. But, uh, but with, uh, with reloading, you know, you, you can't have that jiggling as you're going down the road. So I don't reload, uh, gunsmithing tools. I have just basic hand tools and everything. And then uh, I I rely a lot on the the uh, kindness of strangers. Absolutely, the, the <laughs> friendliness and the kindness of strangers. And uh, you know, generally, I, if I put out like a bad signal of hey, I'm having this kind of problem, someone at the match can uh, can help me out. And uh, but I pay it forward, and I, I do the same thing for other people. Like I've loaned shotguns, guns, you know, a bunch of ammo. You know, I'm tripping. <laughs> I know Whoa, what, what I do. Mike is. Uh, Mike is uh, reliving the '60s on his uh, Google Hangouts feed. I have no idea what the hell happened there. <laughs> but um, so, what would you say is the biggest challenge to somebody looking to get in? I was I, I was trying to get up. I was trying to get a picture up when you were talking about gear. I was trying to get a picture up with uh, the first three gun match that I went to, which was the three gun nation sucks. 2015. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I had no idea what I was in for because all I knew about Three Gun Nation and why I wanted to go was I saw the Pro Series. And yep. I'm like, all this Bay fast stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is cool. And I show up and this wonderful woman, uh, Tanel, uh Chedister? Chedister. Yeah. And uh, she says, oh, no, that's drag racing. This is, And she explained to me what the format was. And I said, I got to do some rearranging here. Uh <laughs> And uh, as it turns out, you know, I was told by Craig Outson, uh, who I met at the match, he goes, oh, yeah, you picked the wrong match for your first one. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I would say it was, a, well. for, it was a ton for of fun. Match, first match, I would go with a club match. You know, if you if you got to pay more than 100 bucks, you might be getting something into something you're not ready for. You know, most club matches are 25 to 35, 45 bucks, whatever it is, depending on the uh, the range and uh, the range fees. And, and that's a much more low-key environment. So I would say that the biggest challenge in getting into a three-gun is the biggest challenge in running marathon. It's the biggest challenge in drag racing. It's the biggest challenge in talking to a girl at the bar. It's just having the balls to go and do it. And the uh, you know the people will use gear excuses forever and never have the fun of actually going to a match. And it's uh, it's a shame. Um, you know, I've got several people that that uh that know what i do and they've been you know picking my brain for years and years and years what's the perfect compensator it's like doesn't effing matter like pick one and go with it or bring out your at flash hider and uh and have a good time like that's that's the key right there is just getting to the match that's the hugest hurdle and uh if you get out there with your like i say your pump shotgun 
God forbid you have a 357 SIG pistol. Bring that to you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, just whatever AR-15 you have, you're going to have a good time. Like, you're not going to finish at the top, but you shouldn't expect to finish at the top anyway because it's your first match, right? Uh, and then if, if uh, you know, you, you get a fire burning in your belly and you're like, okay, well, I need to upgrade my gear. Well, pick the crappiest piece of gear you have and upgrade that first. So if you've got a pump shotgun, you know, go buy that Breda B12i semi-auto and not, and get a big tube for it. Now you've got 12 rounds of capacity and that's, that's going to be no longer your weakest link. Then, you know, from there, get a, you know, if your rifle's lacking, get an Armalite. You know, if you're if you're in limited division, but your range shoots out to 430 yards, and maybe you, on a regular basis, maybe you can't see that. Maybe you need to switch to tack ups. So you pick up a, a Vortex Viper scope. You know, it's it's that sort of thing of the low-hanging fruit. Up, upgrade as you go along rather than waiting until you have the best gear out there. So... Let me give you ask you a follow on question. Uh, we talked about you know what firearms to bring. So, are you? Is there a suggested loadout to carry your pistol mags, your shotgun shells, your AR mags, um, or do you basically just come with a big dump pouch and you know fill it? <laughs> so don't come with a dump pouch. But um, the uh, the basic thing you need is like a good holster that covers the trigger guard, right? Uh, you need mag pouches for at least one AR-15 magazine, unless you suck, and then you need two. Um, <laughs> that's uh, and then uh, pistol, you know, pistol magazines, two will generally get you there because you got one gun, two on the belt. Uh, sometimes you'll need more. And then uh, shotgun shell carriers. Um, my first time, though, I put all my shotgun shells, uh, I put the keys in my shooting bag, and then I put all the shotgun shells in my pockets, and I load it from there. And it sucked. It was slow, but worked fine. And then, uh, you know, upgraded to something where I can load two or load four at a time and uh, just, you know, did the upgrades from there. Um, you saw that picture of Mike? Like, he's got a bunch of bags. So, yeah, all your boxed ammo is in the bags. Empty magazines are in the bags. You stuff them before the stage, and uh, and you go for it. So past that, what else do you take with you? I mean, that you would think of as, if not essential, re- very helpful it's a good question so there's three gun is very very gear intensive right it's not like you go to a pistol match you go to like a uspsa match or shooting production you bring your pistol and like seven magazines and five magazine pouches and you're good right and then nine millimeter for for the match but with three gun you need um you may need slugs you're gonna need 12 gauge shotgun shells you're gonna need 55 grain blaster ammo you're gonna need you know long range ammo nine millimeter all the magazines etc etc so um, I have all my stuff in like a rigid box, rigid being like a brand name of tools, right? <clears throat> and so I have like a contractor thing that's on wheels that, you know, I, I wheel around. Um, there's so much stuff involved that I actually put together like a, a match checklist. And uh, if you're interested in that and seeing what you need to bring, and then you can actually print it out and check it off as you uh, load it in your bag before you go to a match, uh, you can get it at 3gunshow.com slash checklist. And uh, it's pretty helpful there. It's just a PDF that you that you uh, download. Um, you want to bring snacks for the day so you don't get hangry. You don't lose your mind as far as uh, like losing your stage plan and everything because you know your blood uh, blood sugar level drops. You want to bring plenty of water. Um, there's generally not running water at a range, and you're going to dehydrate because you're standing out in the, in the range all day. So, um, amongst all that, I bring some uh, some spare parts. 
you know, I'll bring different springs for, for ARs and, you know, extra bolt carrier group and things like that. Um, cases for your guns, I guess. That's pretty much it. Like, there's no sort of, uh, you know, like special one thing that you bring that's that's going to... Actually, I take that back, an umbrella, because it rains at every damn three-gun match I go to. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's kind of a joke. Like, the uh, you know, we, for, for some reason, they... The, the three-gun community as a whole has their schedule bass backwards, right? So you'll be shooting in Texas in July where, you know, it's it's hotter than Hades, and then you'll just be shooting in Minnesota in December. Like, what's going on, guys? Like, we need, we need to swap these things here. <laughs> but uh, but generally, like, if, you know, you're shooting Kentucky in the spring or you're shooting Texas in the spring or you're shooting Missouri in the summer, you're going to catch some rain. So uh, you'll quickly find that um, all these mil-spec coatings they put on all these cute little uh, doodads on your rifle, they suck, you know, and uh, they <laughs> rust right through the, the mill spec coating. So um, after uh, aftermarket parts are, are awesome in that respect, but, um, and being here in Colorado, like I would have never known that, like we don't have rust here, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it, it's a, uh, it's a rainy mess, like almost every uh, major match you go to, but you got to be willing to, uh, to suck it up and, uh, and deal with the rain. So, you know, extra socks, and uh, Poncho's umbrella, umbrella, that's good stuff right there. And so in Vegas, we bring an umbrella just to stay out of the sun. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Parasol, I think they call that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've kind of covered the gear. We've covered the matches. Tell me about the community. I mean, you go out, um, you know, uh, I think we've all been to public ranges and, you know, uh, there are any number of uh, commonly bumped into sorts out there that uh, yeah. many shooters just don't appreciate. But, you know, tell me, who are you going to run out into in a three-gun match? Um, tell me about the community. The community in three-gun is pretty awesome. It's uh, it's the reason that I chose this as, like, my sport, right? I've, I've done a, a ton of other things. I've even shot... Uh, you know, pistol matches and everything, but uh, the people in three gun are so cool. They're freaking hilarious. Uh, everybody's out to have a good time. There's probably like 20% of the field that are really taking it seriously. And then everyone else is out there just to, uh, um, to have a good time and make some good memories and have some uh, good stories. Right. Um, the, well, on your local match scene, you're going to find, you know, some of the matches I've been to, it's like 50% law enforcement slash first responder type thing, you know, um, so there's a big contingent, um, as far as that goes, which is cool because then they're, you know, out there playing gun games and, and, uh, that's, uh, you know, useful practice that they're getting as well. Um, you're going to find some of the most helpful people on the planet. Like I said, you, um, if you show up with, you know, inadequate gear, you're going to get people to loan it to you. One of the things I will say is like on that belt gear topic, uh, earlier, so this is a safari land belt and has ELS clips. So these, these things and like the, the, pouches all come out and, and put back in and a lot of a lot of people i would say the vast majority of people have these els um clips on their belt so if you need to borrow an extra mag pouch or if you need to borrow shell carriers you just clip it in you run it for the stage and then you give it back to the guy that you uh that you borrow it from always remember to give it back by the way i made that mistake <laughs> <laughs> sorry mike but, yeah, uh, the uh, great thing, yeah, I use the silver Sharpies and put my initials or my name on uh, everything. Because uh, I actually went to a uh, class, and uh, one guy showed up. He left a three-gun match. He had his belt with nothing on it. 
Oh wow! And, uh, we all, yeah, we all pitched in, and just like what Dave said, you know, we all had the ELS. Say, hey, here's a mag holder, here's a uh, holster. So it's a great system. Yeah, I I do the same thing. You know, mark all my stuff. My last name's Hartman, so I usually put a little heart and a little dude on there. <laughs> Freaks a lot of people out. Uh, they're like, Hart, man? But then they don't want to steal it, so that's cool, too. <laughs> so in terms of the competition, I mean, um, I don't know. I've been places where the um, – a little overbearing. I've been places where they're pretty cool. Um are you going to find that the people who involve themselves are generally of the same caliber? Or, I mean, do you basically have to, you know, just take it with a grain of salt if you get a, a bad, you know, uh, range officer, if you run into some local uh, club staff that aren't excited about you being there? I mean, is that part of it? Yeah. I mean, it's just like everywhere you got to be careful because sometimes you're not going to like the guy you have to stand next to? That's a great question. So I have um, I have a low, low tolerance. For, and um, I spent eight years working at Lockheed Martin, so I've had my fill pretty much. And <laughs> I, uh, so I designed my life around avoiding people like that and spending the time with people that I enjoy, right? So that's what I do. Um, the uh, You will get to, if you travel to major matches and you travel to enough of them, you will see that exact same people all over the country again and again and again. So the, the best piece of advice I would give is, you know, like, like Dalton says in, uh, in roadhouse, be nice, right? The, uh, the very first thing that you want to do is create a, a good first impression for yourself. Right. Um, and you can only worry about you. Right. So then, um, if you run into like an a-hole RO, you know, maybe you just, uh, um, take, take some time to clear your head. Like this is just one stage. We're going to, we're going to, um, figure, figure it out here. I'm going to get through this. Um, if it's egregious, you can talk to a match director or a range master and, uh, they can, you know, readjust that RO's attitude because at the end of the day, you are a customer there. You paid several hundred dollars and traveled, uh, you know, in some cases, thousands of miles to, to go to this match. This, these are your entertainment dollars and you should, um, get a good product for, for those entertainment dollars, right? Now that's major matches. Like on a local level, um, it's much more us, right? Like everyone pitching in to put this match on. Um, you show up early, you help set up the match, you stay late, you help tear down the match. Like that's that's what the local match, the club match scene is like, right? Um, if, if you do have a problem with a certain person in that club match, don't squad with them next time. And that's, that's pretty easy to do um, when you're talking like practice court. You just like figure, okay, these guys were cool. I'm going to go squad with them. And, and that's kind of the, uh, the thing you worry about there. Um, also in club matches, uh, local matches, for, um, <clears throat> as they're also known, you're generally self-ROing, right? So if you have a squad of eight people, one of those, person, one of those people is going to run the uh, timer, one of them is going to run the, uh, the iPad uh, for scoring, and then everyone else is going to reset while that, um, you know, after that person's done shooting. And then you kind of rotate around that, right? So you be a good steward. Other people be good stewards, and again, you find a good um, a good set of people that you want to shoot with on a, on a regular basis, and uh, then you don't have to worry about the uh, you know the assholes or something. So, um, I would say they're easy to avoid, but um, I have crossed um, matches off my list, um, match directors, match runners. Um, but the good news is that it's like few and far between. Right. Um, speaking of Dave, you might want to talk about the different scoring at the different matches. So you don't, uh, tick anybody off, uh, 
being in a hurry to paste a target if it's a points match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that so that's a good point. Like in uh, in USPSA, you know, you shoot all the the targets, and then no one pastes anything until like the scorekeeper can see it, right? In in three gun, we we have so much to deal with with multiple guns that you kind of hurry things along, <laughs> and and uh, you generally paste after a person has shot that area. So as the person's progressing down the uh, stage, everyone else is going behind and pasting targets and resetting steel and putting clays back on and stuff. Um, but you want to find the culture of that match and say, what do you want me to do here? So if you're at a major match, you ask the RO. If you're at a local match, ask one of the more experienced guys or maybe the, uh, the match director, how do you want me to reset? So what else yeah. does a what? beginner need to know? I'm sorry? So what else does a beginner need to know? Oh, so much, so much. <laughs> well, what's, what's, yeah, what's the difference between a points and uh, time plus penalties? So I don't know that I've ever shot um, like what, what you're uh, you're getting at, Mike. As far as like a um, points match in three gun. Oh, I, I take that back. Like there's a there's corner scoring, right? And so Blue Ridge, they they score the targets instead of just like one in the center and two anywhere is generally what you find in three gun um, at Blue Ridge. They call Horner scoring uh, because uh, Andy Horner is the only guy in the country that will, will uh, score targets like this, but uh, they put out IDPA targets and it's like, you know, down one, down two, down three. They add seconds to your time. If you're out of the, the center zone, which, uh, which I don't like that kind of scoring because I like to go really fast. And then when you have like a full size Ipsic target that you're just blazing behind, just squirt two, uh, two rounds at it. It's uh, it's kind of satisfying. But generally, you're going to find one in the center, two anywhere is uh, is going to neutralize that that paper target. Um, but you always want to read the rules of where you're going because there there are definitely exceptions, and uh, some so even some local matches will run um, uh, like quasi USPSA where they they uh, score the A zone, the B zone, the C zone um, on both paper and or excuse me on both rifle and pistol. But that's it's very unique. So that's basically match specific. Um, yeah. Are there are there shooters who basically um, select matches based on I don't know their skill levels or their preferences and just avoid everything else? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's so there's uh, you know in a lot of these major matches there's prize table right and there's there's people that you know they can go and pull a top ten finish and they want to pick the biggest prize table so they can get the best prize, right? Um, but th- there's, you know, guys like me that are going to finish mid-pack, and it doesn't really matter. Like, I'm not in it for the prizes. I've got a whole box full of crap over there that, I mean, useful crap, but it's stuff that, you know, I don't currently have a use for yet, right? So the uh, for me, it's all about the the experience. And so that's how, that's how I pick matches. And I like um, big, long stages with tons of shooting. So I pick matches that have big, big long stages with tons of shooting. There are people that um, do really well in bay stages, right? In in bay matches, so you know you're at your traditional berms that are you know ten to twenty feet tall, three sides around, and uh, they'll create like a, a scenario with walls and targets and, and stuff like that that you have to move through pretty quick. There's people that that's their strong suit, so that's what they shoot. There's people that are really good at uh, jungle runs. Uh, what we call jungle runs, which is basically you're running through the forest and they hide targets behind trees and you have to, you know, load your shotgun as you're moving and then shoot stuff as you're moving and uh, and get down this path. There's like a defined start and a defined finish. Like that's some people's strong suit. So they go to those type of matches. Here in uh, in Colorado, we have to go like 
have drive two hours to get to any uh, range that has a, th- a three-gun match. And they put them out on the Eastern Plains, and there's no trees. So Dave is terrible at jungle runs because we don't have any trees here to practice with. So so uh, I, I like doing the jungle runs because then I'm getting more reps and I'm getting better at that, but it's not currently a strong suit. But like I said, that's something you can't do here in Colorado. So if I'm going to go drop, you know, $250 on a match fee plus, you know, $700 to get there and all my time and the, uh, the resources of the three gun show, I want to do something that I can't do everywhere. So is that something that you think took you a while to arrive at? Or is it, I mean, is there enough out there about a given match that you could figure out that you might not like it? You know, like if you had to, you know, run a mile and you're not a runner, you could say, yeah, no, I know enough now yeah. that I'm not going to sign up for this one. <laughs> That's a great question. So for for me, it's kind of easy, right? Because uh, I just get someone on the podcast and then I ask them questions like, hey, have you ever been in this match? You know, what's it like? What should I expect? And so that's uh, that's actually why I started the podcast because I figured there's, you know, these like 30, 40 dudes I see on 3-Gun Nation and they're like the best 3-Gunners in the world. I bet I could go take a class from each of them and it would be several thousand dollars to uh, to do that. But there's also probably like a whole lot of knowledge I can get from just talking to them. So that's why I started the podcast and tricked them into telling me all their secrets. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. There is like a hole in the market for, you know, what what a specific match requires of you as far as skills like is it long range intensive do i have to shoot stupid long slugs for no good reason you know um am i going to have to uh, run through the jungle do i need to know that that type of stuff how how should i prepare for this match what type of stuff should i should i pack with me you know um so i saw a hole in that market and i started a match recon series this year so every match that i've uh shot in 2017 and several that I haven't shot, but uh, but um, close friends of mine have shot. We've done like a recon sort of um, format on the podcast. We'll break down like, okay, this is where the match is. This is kind of you know that the major metropolitan area nearby. Um, this is what you can expect as far as like uh, long rifle shots. This is the number of long rifle shots. This is those long slow targets. You're going to want to be sure to be in shape for this, not be in shape for this, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I want to say we've got like 15 different matches that we've done that for. So you can actually go listen to those match recon podcasts uh, for a specific match and really get an idea of what to expect. Failing that, go to YouTube and and search that match. And there's, you know, most of the time you're going to find someone that has shot it and has uh, footage of it. Because these major matches are generally in the same place at the same range. Mm -hmm. And uh, they like to have similar sort of, feel to uh to their stages throughout the uh, year or maybe they don't even like to do that but they just do it because that's what human nature is so i think you touch on something that i don't think i had thought of as a competitor um from couch potato to marathon runner do you have to be at a given point on that spectrum to be comfortable and have fun or it really runs the gamut it runs the gamut for sure. You know, I, I shoot with a guy uh, named Dan Troxel, who um, is actually the, the lead-in voice on my podcast. He does the uh, Are You Ready Standby. And uh, he's, I think now Dan is 64, I think. But, uh, you know, I ran a uh, shotgun side match with Dan <clears throat> this uh, summer. And, you know, he and I, because of the side match, there's not a whole lot of resetters. So he and I reset that whole thing the, uh, the entire weekend. And he kicked butt. You know, but he's uh, 
um, he doesn't go to like say you know the the big Rocky Mountain stages and things like that because that's that's not his wheelhouse, you know. So you can kind of tailor your match schedule to fit that sort of thing. And if you, it's like everything in life though. The more fit you are, the more fun you're going to have for sure. When uh, when I started this uh, the the three gun show here. I kind of had to rearrange some priorities because I had a full-time job. So I put on probably like 25 pounds since I um, started the show, um, doing a lot of travel, just making poor uh, food decisions. And I'm a lot slower than I, than I was when, you know, two years ago. So, um, but I'm still having fun, still having a great time. And there's not anything that I do that I think, you know, this is, this is not going to, you know, end well. You know, that, that's never some sort of thought in my head. <laughs> I'm not going to have a heart attack midway yeah. through the course. <laughs> the, the reality is that uh, you've got, you know, 300 seconds max on the clock. You know, most most uh, matches, there's 180 seconds max. And uh, you're doing that over 10 stages over a few days. I tell you, the hardest part is standing all day long, yes. leaning, over, leaning over, picking up steels, picking up poppers. So basically, you're standing for hours at a time, you're deadlifting, and then, oh, now it's your turn to shoot. And you have to run your ass off. You have to um, get real steady positions to make long range. So that's that's the most difficult part for me. Is by on like day three of a, of a three day match, I'm dehydrated and want to wake up <laughs> <laughs> instead of uh, being you know uh, fresh as a daisy and ready to rock. I'm tired. And uh, by the end of the the third day, it's like okay, let's let's dig deep here. But it's it's uh, it's all mental, you know. So you you can get through whatever you can get through um, with. Uh, with the mental preparation, but it really comes down to, you know, like I said, like everything in life, you're going to, uh, the more fit you are, the more fun you're going to have and everything. Yeah. Reed, the last local match I shot here because we can't shoot rifle anymore. I had on my Fitbit and I burned 11,000 calories in about eight hours. And I ended up walking seven miles and that was just the time I was there at the match. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to one of the uh, the ROs, um, DJ Petro, um, that did hard as, hard as hell. And so he ROed the shotgun run. And I want to say that between him and his other uh, fellow RO, uh, Sky Killian, they did uh, 60 miles over a three-day match. It's like, that's three freaking marathons. Yes. That's why I always bring a uh, stool. And if I yeah. fly somewhere during the obligatory Walmart stop, Yep. I buy shotgun shells, food, and a stool, and a nine dollar stool. Yes, you know, and and the the nine dollar stool is is totally clutch. I mean, you know, you can add that to the uh, the umbrella category there. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the trick is to use that stool judiciously because you don't want to be the dude sitting down on that stool when everyone's resetting. So yes. sit, you know, it's it's sit when you can, and then when you're when you're supposed to be out there resetting or preparing to shoot, then uh, you want to be on it. So. For someone who's going to get into it, we've covered a lot of the basics. Um, what are some of the internet resources you would point people to, to to fill in the gaps, to to help them um, do their own research and homework to to get further into it? Are, are there like go to resources that you found over the years that are really kind of the the good places to go for that kind of information? Uh, honestly, no. <laughs> uh, the, uh, well, the wait a minute. What about your podcast? Are you well, saying that, it, was, it was like a soft, <laughs> it, was a, it was kind of That's, a softball. <laughs> it, it totally was. That's the reason I started the podcast. Is you know, I I looked around and 
I'm like, you know, I'm nuts about this, uh, this sport, but the information out there sucked, you know, and I wanted to, uh, dig deeper than just the, the post, you know, the post shoot breakdown of like, Hey, what'd you think of that stage? You know? And then you got like 10 seconds of, of NASCAR, you know, my arm will rival ran really well, you know, that, that sort of thing. <laughs> so my podcast, we, we dig deep. We go like 60 to 90 minutes. We talk about like mental preparation, um, uh, your mental game, managing a match in your head, the, uh, the proper gear setup, funny stories from, from traveling, how to approach a stage, how to, you know, shoot long range. And, uh, and like I said, we, we dig deep on it. Like I don't have a, a time cap or anything. So as long as, uh, the, uh, the guest and I are having, uh, excuse me, are having a good exchange and we're, um, we're still pumping out great information. We'll, uh, we'll keep it going. So some of the podcasts we've done ended up being like two hours long and, uh, and but it's 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 all good stuff and it and it's uh it's cool to be able to be the guy that gets that that information out there in the uh, in the community. So three gunshow.com is is what I would check out. Um, you know, iTunes has has the three gun show in it, Stitcher's got it, Google Play, stuff like that. Um, the other thing uh, I would be remiss in saying is like uh, uh, Patrick Kelly, he's been a, a guest on the show. He was co-host of Three Gun Nation for a couple of years. It he has a bunch of great how-to videos on his uh, YouTube channel. So definitely check Patrick out and he's putting great stuff out all the time. And so Dave, the, the plan is to cross release this about uh, across both platforms, right? Yeah. Okay. So um, if you're, if you're listening to Reed and I, and you're usually here on the air 15 podcast, you can check them out. Um, do them a solid subscribe uh, to the three gun show. Uh, that is what it, uh, I think that's what makes a difference when it comes to podcasting and, and reaching out to people. But um, yes. also do the same. If you're listening, uh, we'd love to have you over at the AR-15 podcast. Uh, we make fun of each other a lot for our lower collections and uh, or my lower collection. Uh, my um, <laughs> pathological problem of buying one firearm after the other. I mean, I'm literally the kid in the store that goes squirrel and all of a sudden I have a new gun in my hands. Uh, Reed likes Ironsides 357 SIGs. And um, when I get whiskey, when I can get whiskey in him, he's quite entertaining on telling me what he really feels about everything in life. Nice. So, uh, that's kind of us. That And we talk, to, we talk to all the companies that I end up buying rifles from or buying parts from. So that's, yeah. that's a little bit about us. But I, I got to say, I listened to uh, one of your episodes with uh, Mark from Vortex on there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I've, I've met Mark a few times, been by Vortex a few times. I, I love all the guys there. And he, uh, he let out golly G Willikers. Oh my gosh. Uh, holy cow. And something else is like, geez, he's dropping like all the Minnesota F bombs in one. <laughs> 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 oh yeah. Oh, don't you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, uh, it was great. I think he even said Jeepers at one point. I don't know. But I, I was cracking up. So I was, uh, I was hitting up his coworkers via text and they're like, Oh man, you gotta give Mark a hard time. It's hilarious. Man, that, that was a good show. We enjoyed having Vortex on. It's fun yeah. to watch. It's fun to watch companies like that grow and, and keep growing and exploding and doing good things with their customer service and how they treat people. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I, think- I got ex- exposed to the dudes at Vortex, uh, pretty thoroughly this year. And, uh, like I said, I actually went to uh, Middleton, Wisconsin and, and visited their operation, and I was blown away by how many people they have, the scale, you know, that they're working on, and uh, the new facility that they're they're building is incredible too. So, Vortex is uh, one of those cool companies that's doing cool stuff, like in the social media space, and uh, and uh, they're doing great stuff for you know their customers as far as their VIP warranty and everything. 
but man, just the passion that that runs through that place. You walk through, and there's like more guns than in the uh, than in my office here. It's pretty cool. <laughs> They're good guys over there. Thanks yeah. for uh, thanks for letting us break it down, and you know, it's somebody who's interested in it, and uh, you know have made the gear excuses and things like that. And I always yeah. need one more. It's very intriguing and to, to just go and check it out. I know I've, I've got access to a lot of that stuff here in Las Vegas. Um, so thanks for bearing with us for almost an hour and a half to ask the nuts and bolts. Uh, but yeah, we've got some, time. Yeah, we, we've got some listener questions. If you're cool with jumping in there, Reed, if you didn't have anything else, Mike, if you didn't have anything else. No, no, uh, I'm good. No, I just, you know, like to, tell you i found dave by accident when he you asked a good question about where can you find information about three gun well i never really shot three gun before we you know just because my job we did a lot of tactical shooting and ooh tactical right and uh um, man you guys are dropping the bombs that i gotta take out yeah the uh oh we're not allowed to cuss you should have said that before no, it's, <laughs> We're George Carlin fans here, JD. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, in 2014, I went to the uh, that first NRA World shoot, and I was in the 20s, 30s for 189 shooters there. But the three gun stage ate my lunch. I was like 118th, and I said, "I've got to learn how this sport works." And I couldn't find anything. And before I left for Shot Show in 2015. I just happened to Google three gun and Dave's show come up, came up and I think you had just started then. And I downloaded, he only had like five or six podcasts, uh, yeah. Greg Jordan, Keith Garcia. And, uh, I listened to those all the way to Vegas and just got enthralled. And I said, wow, I have nice. learned more in this like three hour drive than I have from all the hours I spent trying to research this stuff on the internet. Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty amazing. The, uh, so I, I built this rifle right here on a, uh, based on a conversation that I had with Craig Outson on the podcast. And From my cold dead hands. Yeah. <laughs> you can actually, you know, listen to it now as well and, and find out why, you know, I prefer a, an 18-inch barrel with a rifle-length gas and why a low-mass system and why the, the trigger that I shoot and everything. And uh, it's all based on that knowledge transfer. And, Mike, as you know, like, you know, you can go to 100 matches and you pick up 100 different things but now you have a hundred matches of investment into it. Whereas with, with a podcast and, you know, I've listened to podcasts since like 2005 and you can gain so much knowledge and shortcut your learning curve. So, so much just by, you know, listening to other people's experiences and the mistakes that they've made. What he said. Yay. You don't want dead air on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's why we have editors. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I was thinking about it because, you know, this year, uh, Mike knows and Reed knows, this year uh, has been a big year of transformation for me. I've dropped uh, 110 pounds. Um, Good for you, man. You know, running every day, lifting weights, doing stuff. And I'm like, I'm looking for that next kind of thing. And, you know what? I think I could place last in a three-gun match sometime in 2018. I mean, I – I think it'd be something I do. I mean, I might show up with a freaking duct tape holster and all that <laughs> stuff, but man, I, it, it intrigues. It scares the heck out of me, to be honest with you. It, it's kind of intimidating all the stuff that we've gone through today, but I think I could do it. I, th- I mean, I could, dude, I'm a fool most of the time, so I could show up to Absolutely. a great to be a fool. Yeah. So. Well, JD, you, you mentioned that you're in Vegas. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go to a uh, shot show. 
the day after SHOT Show, Saturday after SHOT Show, there is a United Multi-Gun League, a UML, uh, SHOT Show match that's at the uh, Pro Gun Club right outside of Vegas, right? Yeah. So I'm shooting that match. You should come shoot it with me. And I'll be your personal oh, guy. Holy I'll, cow, I'll that's a month away. Yeah, buddy. Put your, put and your and, and I've, got, on. I've got some revolver holsters I can give you. <laughs> <laughs> got movements, right? It has. No, yeah, it, it's a month away, but, you know, now or never, man. And uh, like I said, I'll be there. You can borrow all my gear if you want. I'll teach you everything you need, you need to know and more. Well, when are you coming down right. to Texas next? <laughs> March. Dave's going to be our personal three-gun teacher. Yeah. All right. I will, man. Yeah, Texas three-gun championship in March is my uh, my first Texas match, and I'll probably hit up uh, um, Vortex Shooter Source three-gun championship. And I think that one, I can't see my calendar from here, but that one is uh, in Crescent, right, the uh, Triple C range that I was telling you about. All right. Well, J.D., why don't you walk us through these questions real quick? All right. So first off, I got to ask, what happened to your coffee pot? <laughs> well, okay. So my uh, my coffee pot died yesterday morning. Like you just push the button and the blue light comes on and it flashes, but like no water drips out, right? So it's dead. And uh, so, yeah, I had to toss that in the trash can. But uh, I guess that goes back a little bit. So the uh, this office I just moved into, like two offices down and downstairs – is a coffee shop called Hello Coffee. And, uh, oh, I shouldn't have mentioned them because I'm going to say something bad, but uh, their, their dark roast is terrible. And you can, uh, <laughs> you can see right through it. Like when you're pouring it, you're like, okay, you know, they got the little pumper thing. You're pouring it and you're like, well, this looks like tea. You know, it's, and when you taste it, like, this is not a dark roast. Like, <laughs> just call it medium. I don't even know why we're trying here. And I like my coffee. I like a dark roast, and I, I drink a black. I don't do any, you know, milk or sugar or anything. So I was complaining on uh, on the Facebooks, which is what we do in uh, in 2017. I was complaining about the coffee, and then uh, the next day, they got a Keurig in the uh, in the central um, kitchen place here, and their dark roast is the exact same thing. Like you can see through it. Like I'm just, if I can see through the coffee, it's not dark roast. So then the next day, so that was. Two days. Then the next day, coffee maker dies. It's been a tragic, tragic week for uh, for the three gun shows. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, um, Ravens Brew, Dead Man's Roast, that stuff. Uh, I've, I've been a radio. I started doing graveyard way back when, and so like dark roast coffee, like thick as sludge. You know, you you chew the last couple of yeah. sips of it. Um, dark roast, of course. Uh, Death Wish Coffee. There's several. There's several of them. You but know, man, if it's like I get complaints here at the station because they're like, <laughs> "Man, his coffee's too strong." You know, you know, we just want Folgers, and so I have to, I have to get in before everybody. Brew, you know, I brew a pot, I put them in these, like <laughs> I, I have all yeah. of it, and then there's just enough for another cup of coffee. So I pound that real quick, and then I drink like seventy ounces of coffee within an hour and a half of getting here. Yeah, buddy. Now, now you guys, you guys go on about your your coffee fix. There's nothing like Nam Coffee out of a Marine Corps chow hall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had a, a coworker one time when I worked at a machine shop, and he uh, he would take coffee grounds and put them between his uh, his lip and gum like it was chew. And uh, I haven't got to that point yet, but man, we're getting pretty <laughs> close over here. Man, I may be there tomorrow. That's genius. Isn't it? He said he weren't in prison, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right, let, 
let's get to the, the Trey wrote in said um, when Dave switched to the shorter barrel to <clears throat> switch his long range ammo to a lighter grain, heavier grain, or did he stay with the same grain? Uh, that's a good question. Um, so I, again, last year I shot this thing and this is an 18 inch rifle. It has a Seekins barrel in it. Uh, super accurate. It really, really liked uh, 55 grain Hornady VMAX. And the reason I found that out is Cabell's had it on sale one time. And uh, <laughs> I bought some. I was like, holy crap, these things are like laser beams. Uh, and then um, I found out that 55 grain, no matter if they're shooting, you know, 32, 50 feet per second, like those uh, claim on the box, they don't really indicate targets very well. And we, we shoot these like flasher targets where you've got your strike plate like this and a, and a flag on the back. And so when you shoot it, the flag comes up. And uh, if you're listening, sorry, you should watch the YouTube. But, uh, um, and it doesn't really indicate very well with 55 grain um, once you get past like full hundred yards, right? So you have to be have someone good on glass. And then there's not really like a challenge to, to a long range hit call. So I found myself uh, not getting several hits um, that were allotted to me. Uh, once, once I was shooting 55 grain. So I was like, all right, well in the off season, which, uh, uh, was the, uh, the winter last year, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to go with something bigger. So I kind of messed around with, uh, some gorilla ammo and they had a good 77 grain load. Um, and then I got hooked up with, uh, with Armalite and one of their parent, um, their parent company, SAC has, you know, their sister companies here, I guess is Nexus ammunition. Um, and it's a 77 grain match round. And it's actually designed around the two Armalite three-gun rifles, the 18-inch and the 13-and-a-half-inch. So it's kind of natural once I uh, picked up the uh, 13-and-a-half-inch Armalite to go with the, the Nexus ammo. Um, I did do some testing between these two rifles, the 13-and-a-half and the 18-inch, and I found I lost like 220 feet per second um, uh, at you know muzzle, muzzle velocity um, at the chrono, you know, eight feet out in front of you or whatever. So for... For 2018, I'm probably going to switch to an 18-inch rifle because I'm going to be shooting a lot of uh, uh, big open terrain matches and not so many bay matches. So long answer there, yeah, I did switch ammo. It's uh, 77 grain, and I still use 55 grain, just blaster stuff, PMC, uh, herders, whatever you can get for uh, for targets that are like 200 yards and in. And he had a second part. Um, does he try to get his long-range ammo or hoser ammo <laughs> to have the same point of aim? Hmm. Probably should. But I don't. Um, <laughs> that's that's actually a hard. Uh, very hard. That that th- that's a hard road to hoe. You'd really have yeah. to be hand loading to to do that. And I, and I know some guys that do do that. I don't. I don't hand load, so I don't. Um, the uh, the thing that I do is I will I zero for my long range, right? Because you want to be on for long range, and then you can have some level of variability out to 200 yards with your, your blaster ammo. Right. Um, but I do zero that not, not zero, but I do pattern that. I don't know. I guess put that on paper. Once I get my 77 grain, um, my long range zero, I will then switch to my blaster ammo, whatever big pile of stuff I have at the time and, um, see where that prints on paper out to 200 yards. Uh, and then I just know from there and generally it's close enough to where you can do like a dead hold. All right. Next up, Tyler, uh, he's got he's got several. Um, Why don't you parent down, JD? Um, we'll get uh, <laughs> uh, favorite optics that you use for potentially unknown stages and distance shots, and then uh, we'll go to load techniques, uh, some that uh, can improve your time. 
Okay. So um, I have this uh, Vortex Viper, or excuse me, Vortex Ranger 1500 rangefinder. Um, and I use this on, on all my walkthroughs. And, you know, you can see the target and you can laser the target with the, uh, the rangefinder so you know the distance. So you generally don't have any unknown distances unless you screwed up, right? So you want to um, remove unknown distances from your game. <laughs> so if you don't know what a distance is, borrow a rangefinder. That's, that's kind of the short answer there. Um, the, uh, what was the second part of that question? Uh, the second part. Low techniques. Right? Low techniques. Yeah, uh, so by, by that, does he mean like loading ammo? No, loading your pistol, loading your shotgun, loading oh. your... Oh, for, for shotgun, yeah. Um, there's what they call the quad load, right? So this, this is another thing that you're going to wish you were watching the YouTube, but you grab two stacks of shells like that, and this is how they sit in your hand. And then you basically turn your shotgun over and then pet them across the loading port, and you go two in, two more in. Just swoop, swoop. And uh, that puts four shotgun shells in your in your shotgun really fast. The reason I have a uh, twelve round tube is that twelve divided by four is three, and uh, I can do that math in my head pretty easily. So I know that three grabs of the uh, the belt, and I have a full shotgun. Hmm. As far as pistol, I don't. I mean, Magwell, and then stuff it in there. Uh, up next, we've got Mike asking uh, for a flat trigger or a curved trigger. So I've been I've been playing around with this uh, quite a bit. So this uh, this rifle right here has a Timney uh, two stage. It's a flatty, and uh, I really enjoy the flat triggers. Um, I've been shooting an AR Gold that's curved, and uh, it proved to me that I like the flat triggers better. So I'm kind of transitioning all my guns to flat triggers. I've got another Timney flatty I'm going to be messing with, and then a Hyperfire flat trigger. So for me, flat triggers. It is personal preference, but I found my personal preference is flat. Uh, Weston writes in, um, well, I think we covered a little bit of this, but just a, a quick synopsis. Good, expensive starter gear, mag holders, shell caddies, etc. Yeah, so uh, inexpensive and shell carriers don't really go together. <laughs> so un- unfortunately, shell-, shell carriers are super expensive. Um, I did pick up, what I would recommend is getting like a, uh, a loading vest. And I've got this one right here from Invictus Practical. They call this a Deterk vest. I would imagine it's because it was designed by Dean Deterk. But it has five sets of quad loads on there. So 20 rounds in this one one vest, and you're buying one thing. Uh, looks kind of dumb sitting on your, your chest. You look like uh, you know a monkey with an apron on. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it's the best bang for the buck that you can uh, you can do. Um, and then other than that, to, to keep it inexpensive, I would, I would recommend borrowing gear until you, uh, until you have some, some spare cash or a birthday or something like that. Uh, well, as far as mag. That being said, time, what's the, the connector point that you identified that is very common ELS or. Oh yeah. Safari land ELS. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's the way to go. Oh, show Safari land ELS. And, uh, I, <clears throat> I found that a, Nearly all of my friends shoot Spartanland ELS, so it's uh, if I need to borrow like some gear or something, um, it's easy to do. Uh, that's why I went with ELS initially because all the dudes in my local circle had ELS, and so I figured if I ever need to borrow something because at that time I didn't have everything, then uh, then I could do that. And I keep uh, keep pushing on the podcast, so once we all get on ELS, we don't ever have to worry. About <laughs> but, uh, as far as mag pouches, um, I a couple of years ago I got some uh, LEG tactical. Uh, mag pouches and i really love them 
Um, the uh, Their holster is great. I like something with active retention for some of the, the bigger matches that we do, mostly because I took a really awesome fall and uh, did a complete uh, heels overhead and lost my pistol. So active retention is uh, – is, is clutch on that. And I'm working with uh, LAG to create uh, something pretty, uh, pretty great for three gun on that. Um, yeah. And I, I generally only have one extra rifle mag pouch. Sometimes I'll stuff one in my pocket if I'm, uh, you know, feeling unsure, but I have up to four pistol mag pouches for my belt and I generally only run two. Next up, Blake uh, benefits of an LPVO versus a red dot. Uh, following up with uh, LPVO's first focal plane or second focal plane and why? So I, I had to look up LPVO, and uh, that's low-power variable optic, I just learned. So um, that de- depends on what division you are in if you uh, shoot a red dot versus a, versus a scope. I prefer a scope. It is the uh, definitely the biggest division. The, um, the scope that I prefer um, – is the uh, Vortex Viper PST Gen 2. It's a one to six power scope. I use a mill reticle uh, just because any gun I pick up that has a mill reticle, all the hash marks mean the same thing, right? So that that's what I like to do. This one has like a, um, a center dot that's really good. Um, and you want it in a non-quick uh, detach mount. I like the warm mounts. This is a warm mount right here. Actually, both these are. And uh, they're super stable, and as long as you torque them correctly and everything, they they never ever move, and you never have to worry about uh, anything quick detaching when you don't want to. For if you uh, want to shoot limited division and you want to shoot like a one X, like a red dot, there's plenty of red dot options out there, um, and you can you know put any one of them on there and have a great time at your uh, local matches. If you're going to be shooting several hundred yards, I would recommend uh, Vortex Spitfire AR. The reason is that it has an etched reticle. And, you know, you can illuminate it. And so it has red and, and green capabilities and you can work it like a red dot. And it's super fast on close-up targets and everything. But that etch reticle is very fine for long-distance targets. And uh, and it's always always there. So even if your battery dies, the black etching, just like in your, your normal scope, works just, uh, just fine. And finally, um, Austin said the preference of single versus two-stage trigger in competition – uh, we've covered affordable optics and the practicality of offset sights and a 45-degree angle red dot mount. Uh, so let's start with the uh, the red dot mount. So 45-degree um, offset sights, red dot, that's going to put you in, in uh, open division. If you want to shoot in open division, that's cool because it's really fast. It's really cool looking when you turn your gun sideways and you got that little red dot and then the brass is flinging over your head. And it just makes for some great photos and makes you feel <laughs> really cool. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what you would do is you'd have like, you know, a little, I don't know, Vortex Razor Red Dot or the Viper uh, Red Dot or whatever, uh, or Venom. I don't know. The, uh, I don't shoot open. So those are, uh, those are definitely, uh, options out there. And that 45 degree mount is super fast. And, you know, you generally sight it in for like 20 yards or something like that. So then anything past that, you just move to your, your primary optic. Um, I guess one round optics, I should mention that the, uh, the throw lever is, is really important when you're shooting like a, uh, a scope rifle um, because instead of, and again, you should watch the YouTube, instead of just using the uh, the dial with your, your fingers, now you've got a little latch that you can just flick and move the power over really quick. So that's the uh, the hotness there. Um, for, for, for Reed to explain this, uh, it's the difference of remember the radios we had in our cars in high school you know, it's the difference between turning the knob and hitting oh, the button yeah. so the thing goes over real quick. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, the first part of that question was uh, triggers, right? Yeah. Uh, two stage. Uh, single versus two. Me personally, single stage. Um, this uh, this rifle here has this this flat um, uh, Timney two stage trigger, and I I dry fired and dry fired and dry fired and dry fired this thing in one of those little testers that Timney had. Uh, when I was hanging out with Tommy Thacker um, for a couple weeks, and I would just thunk, thunk. I'm like, God, this is the greatest trigger I've ever tried. I love it. And then when I got it in the gun and went to a match and went, came pulled up on a close target and went to to double tap and had like massive trigger. It's uh, it's great for long range. It sucks for short range. And so I've since gone back to uh, single stages, and uh, I'll be shooting uh, like this flat you know, Timmy, or maybe even this hyperfire, I have to, uh, have to do some testing, but yeah. So flat trigger, single stage for me, the, uh, the armor light rifles come with a, a single stage Timmy. So if you have one of those, you're, you're ready to rock out of the box. Man, that wraps it up on, uh, listener questions. Oh yeah. Reed, Michael, any final thoughts? Uh, not that I can think of. I think you've pretty much covered everything for the intent of the podcast there. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, it's uh, amazing with the characters that Dave uh, gets on his uh, show. There's, <laughs> a, there's a couple of just classic uh, episodes. It's like uh, Lucy and the Chocolate Factory. I just keep going back and listening to them time and time again. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and you know, there's there's great stuff that comes out of every single podcast too. You know, there's uh, you know, if you listen to each one of them, you're going to come away with like one gem. Uh, you know, recently I had a guy named Jake Latola on, who's uh, he's a engineer for 3M, and his mind thinks in a completely different fashion than mine does. And he gave a, a talk on on like a math comparison that he did on shooting pistol versus shotgun on a particular stage of Fort Benning multi gun, and you know, it was pretty interesting. Like I, I wouldn't have thought of that. I couldn't do it on my own. Um, unless you gave me like a, a calculator and a week and a half to figure it out. But he, uh, he was able to do it just on the drive back from the, uh, the range. And it's, it's cool to get those unique perspectives and, and speak to people like outside of your, your ordinary circle and, uh, and find out like what everyone else is thinking about the game. Reed. I think that's it. JD, why don't you read us out and we'll call it a show. All right. So, um, this is going to air right before SHOT Show, so we will already have released the new website. Uh, it's www.ar-15podcast.com. That's ar-15podcast.com. That is where you will find uh, everything about us now. We'll have a Brownells affiliate link up there, how you can support the show, how you can contact the show about us to be able to subscribe on iTunes. So check it out, ar-15podcast.com. And uh, we're going to be doing some fun stuff with that in the future. I've been working on that over the last couple of months and uh, finally got it up off the ground. So we're excited about that. Um, also, if you have any comments, questions, problems, complaints, want to talk about your love for 357 SIG, Ironsides, <laughs> or anything like that, uh, ar15.podcast at gmail.com. That's ar 15 podcast at gmail.com please subscribe and listen to the ar15 podcast for free on itunes uh your subscription makes a big difference in our uh, weekly numbers that we share with those that uh, we try to entice to get on the show some of them are tough cookies to crack trying to explain new media so uh, when, we're, when we're able to show them the numbers man i'm sure dave you have the you know the same kind of struggle sometimes with that um they uh, tend to come on Absolutely. so leave a review 
Uh, also check out uh, the Three Gun Show uh, on iTunes. If uh, you are a listener to the Air 15 podcast, please go over there and subscribe to them. Uh, give them a listen. Uh, share your picks with us on Instagram at Air 15 Podcast. Uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Air 15 Podcast. You can find all the links you need for your Brownells, affiliates, parts, needs at AR. Dash fifteen podcast.com. Uh, and with that, I think uh, this episode is in the books. All right. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you, Dave. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a ton of fun, guys. All right. Well, everybody else, we'll see you in a week or so. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Great. Hey, good to see you again, Dave. Good see you too, Mike. Bye there. Once again, RTT Firearms is teaming up with the AR-15 Podcast to support the show. Uh, they are offering a discount to AR-15 Podcast listeners, 10% on any new rifle and 20% off any Cerakote work that you want done on your favorite AR. Uh, if you're looking to build your dream rifle in 2018, an AR-9 or a 45 pistol caliber carbine, 300 blackout, 556, 308, or 65 Creedmoor, whatever you can dream up, they can make happen. They're offering a 10% discount to AR-15 podcast listeners for new rifles and also 20% off any Cerakote work. They're also running a Glock frame deal right now for your slide to get Cerakote work done $99 plus shipping and they will take care of that too. So whether you want to build your dream rifle, do some Cerakote work on your favorite AR-15, RTT Firearms can help you out. Once again, they're offering listeners a 10% discount on all new rifles, 20% off all Cerakote work. You can reach them at 9 Nine two eight two three zero seventeen twenty nine. That's nine two eight two three zero seventeen twenty nine or their website rttfirearms.com. This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv.